0: You're about to get an insider's view of the North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards. This is AutoLine. The kickoff event at the Detroit Auto Show next week is the announcement for the North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards. This award's different from all the other car awards that are out there because it's chosen by nearly 50 different journalists who test these vehicles and report on them. In other words, it's not an award from a magazine that's trying to get publicity or advertising for itself. The members of the jury, myself included, merely get the satisfaction of having collectively decided what's the best new car and truck that's out there. To talk about the selection process and give you an insider's view, of how we go about choosing the ones that we like the best, I've asked two other jury members to join me today. Natalie Neff is with AutoWeek Magazine and Paul Eisenstein is with the Detroit Bureau. We'll do a deep dive into what we think about the cars and trucks that made it to the finalist list, including the Ford Flex, the Hyundai Genesis, and Volkswagen Jetta TDI. And on the truck side, we'll be talking about the Dodge Ram, the Ford F-150, and the Mercedes ML320 Bluetech. If you like product, you're going to love this discussion. So don't go away, because we'll be back right after this. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. AutoLine Extra, John's Journal, Podcasts, and even more. So click over and get the inside view at AutoLineDetroit.tv. From our studios in the motor city, this is Autoline. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion today, all about the North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards. I've got two of my fellow jurors here, Natalie Neff with Auto Week Magazine. Great to have you here back on the set of Autoline Natalie. To be here. And Paul Eisenstein, the Bureau Chief of the Detroit Bureau, and great to have you back here as Good well, to be back. Paul. So let's talk cars. In fact, let's talk about the finalists, because what everybody should know is we start out with every single car and truck that's come out in the American market, we whittle that down to the short list, and now we've got the finalists. And the finalists are the Ford Flex, the Hyundai Genesis, and the Volkswagen Jetta TDI. Uh, Let me start with you, Natalie, and, and let's just start talking with the Ford Flex, since alphabetically that comes first. First off, is the Flex really a car? Shouldn't it be a truck or I mean how, how do we yeah. how do we end it up with this thing on the car? Yeah,
1: list? this was a bit of a uh, point of contention I think on the jury um, for a long time trying to determine whether it was a car or a truck.
2: Of course, Ford wants to call it a car. They don't want to call it a truck. Absolutely. But for, minivans, sorry, minivans if I remember go into the truck category, don't they? Right. Last year. Because the government officially classifies them as trucks right. as they will classify the the Flex as.
1: Absolutely. A truck. And I think Ford's interest in it not that it has any sway on how we decide um the car and truck categories is that they've got a huge contender in the truck category this year and they did not want to see two of their vehicles, a Ford Flex and the new F-150, going head-to-head.
0: Great point.
1: Now, I fall on the side of the equation that the Flex is, in fact, a truck. It's a car to many people because it does serve in that same fashion. It serves Mm -hmm. like a station wagon to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. more like um, just a large family sedan. Uh, And I think that's why it fell into this category, and I think it actually, you know, probably shows stronger in the car category.
2: Yeah, I agree. What's your take on the flex, Paul? Again, it could have easily gone into uh, each, either of the categories. We all remember that there was a big debate earlier this year, a lot of emails flying back and forth over whether we should add a a new category, a crossover category, because there are so many hard to define vehicles going into the market. And I think this may may push that uh, argument back into the burner next year. Probably you could argue that minivans now should be in the passenger car side going forward because the Flex really is a minivan. It's, uh, it's a people mover. It's a people uh, mover, no, and, no question about it. And uh, on the other hand, it is car-based and it does serve more like the modern station wagon. So you could argue from that point that it is a car. So, I mean, uh, nobody's going to completely agree no matter which category it went into, except I think you're absolutely right. Ford would prefer to have the chance of winning in two categories and certainly prefer not to have two of their products running up against one another. It's a big vehicle. It's a very distinctive looking vehicle, too. I mean, it, you know, all
0: squared off like it is. It, it, to me, it looks like a Mini Cooper on steroids, uh-huh. you know, with the, yeah. the, the white roof, especially, on some of the yeah. models. But what do you think about the vehicle overall from a, a driving or, or use standpoint?
1: I think, you know, I think it works surprisingly well. I mean, you look at the vehicle, and obviously it's in large part a styling statement. <clears throat> like you said, excuse me. Um, but when you actually get in and drive it, it, all the kind of apprehension about the unwieldiness of the vehicle evaporate. I mean, it's an it's, it, mm-hmm. incredibly easy vehicle to drive. The sight lines are, are so much better than you might Turn think at first on glance, on. Um, looking at three. the kind of low roof line compared to the driving position. And I think it, it functions um, beautifully as a people mover. Uh, I think the ergonomics, you know, in terms of passenger uh, ease, uh, passen- the ease of Ingress and egress for passengers, the controls, um, the layout, the the overall interior design are brilliant in it. All
2: right, I'll take I'll take the dark side then because <laughs> we, we need to have that here. Um, There is this weird thing with the American public, and I think with media in general, somehow the minivan has become the vehicle we all love to hate. SUVs are starting to supplant that, but the minivan is just a vehicle that, you know, it's it's, it's the punchline in too many comic strips. And uh, so, you know, you have a lot of manufacturers like Ford that have to come up with an alternative, and you wind up giving up some of the things that do work wonderfully in minivans. You don't have the sliding door. does it matter to most people how many people really load up three, three rows, uh, particularly people buying this one? I don't know. So maybe it's not a sacrifice for a lot of the buyers that will go for this. Uh, but it, it is a compromised minivan, or it's an extremely flexible SUV, depending on how you look at it. Uh, I have a few gripes with it. Uh, I think that the lack of a telescoping steering wheel is odd. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. That, I,
0: I couldn't get comfortable with the car. I, I never, needed a telescoping wheel. I, I'm with you on
2: thank that. Thank you, because yeah. I thought it was just me being yeah. 6'2". Yeah. Uh, and there's that weird placement of the rear wiper, which is so far offset that you can never get... In a, in a rain or snowstorm, you cannot get clear the full visibility going out the back, which I've already been told uh, the engineering folks are addressing, but why wasn't it done before before it was put on the market? This is the sort of thing that the old Ford has to fix. Yeah. A Couple of things that I see about it is, boy, if you ride in that middle row seat, whew, it's like having
0: your own private jet. I mean, it, the, the, the amenities, thing. everything are terrific. The other thing is, this is a good vehicle when gas is under two bucks a gallon. Yeah. I was getting maybe about 20, maybe, At four bucks a gallon, the thing clearly wasn't selling, but Ford says, hey, we're not too worried about that. Uh, Of course they are, but what they're really spinning it is saying, this is bringing in non Ford buyers, especially import buyers higher income level people. Uh,
1: and wait until spring when they put their EcoBoost. Thank you. E- their EcoBoost yeah. motor in it. That is just going to turn some uh, a lot of attention its way. Yeah. It's their, you know, new technology, um, four-cylinder engine that I believe is going the Lincoln MKS first yeah. and quickly going into the almost, uh, identity, almost
2: simultaneously. Yeah. And the fact is that I think Ford did misjudge the impact of fuel economy, as the whole industry did this year. But uh, I think that it's not selling nearly as well as it would. Well, nothing is.
0: Nothing is. No, but I
2: mean, if you look at it, even in what they had expected, adjusting for where the market has collapsed, I think it's been a little bit tougher sell. It is certainly a polarizing vehicle. And I do believe that when they bring this EcoBoost engine out, which is going to surprise a lot of people, what is it, uh, how many, 300 horsepower, something like that?
1: Well, the the number of iterations they're going to be able to, to turn on that... But I mean, for, for M- this,
2: this vehicle... I think
1: the MKS is getting the high output
2: version yeah. immediately. Yeah, but the, even, even the, the version that's going into the Flex has tremendous power and very good mileage, and that may bring in some people who are saying, we know gas prices are going back up. Yeah, you bet. Let's move on to the next one on the list, Hyundai Genesis. What's your take on
0: that one, now?
1: You know, frankly, I'm a little surprised to see it to make the um, finalist list. I understand the reasoning behind a lot of people voting for it mm-hmm. because it is such a monumental step for the Korean automakers in general. Um, it's a fantastic car, a full-size luxury, basically a full-size luxury car with V8, optional V8 power. Um, and it means a lot to the Korean auto manufacturing base um, and their inroads that they're, they're trying to make in this country. I don't know that all the refinement and all the, you know, quite all the things that we're looking for in terms of the actual car of the year are there with the Genesis. It's a fine car, I just don't know that it quite makes that car. Pick
2: up the conversation. I think I think a lot of us wound up feeling we, we, they deserve votes, points, because they've done so well. When you have so many different brands and models to choose from, it's a curious way that you can get the second place winner or the the second place for many people to wind up a winner. So I think the fact that almost everybody felt it deserved points for at least getting there with this vehicle, a company that was less than 10 years ago, the butt of jokes on Leno, suddenly producing something like this. Even if it isn't a Lexus or a BMW or a Mercedes, it's a darn good good first try. And if we think back, uh, hey, Lexus had some good stuff when they began, but uh, the early Lexus models weren't as good as we may recall. So I think in retrospect, this is not a bad first try.
1: Context, though. I think the context when you saw the first Lexus LS 400 hit the market, Mm -hmm. you know, it might not have been as good a vehicle as this is entering into the market, Mm -hmm. but the context was, you know, a sea of difference between where that car entered and where this car entered. And I I hear you, I just don't know that I would have even made it top three. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of with you on that. Very impressive car for Hyundai, no question about it. But I'm kind of with you, I'm not sure that the full level of development is there yet. And I I had issues with some of the chassis behavior in the vehicle, Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was, it was a little bit squirrely at times. Also in the V6 model, which, and there's a noticeable difference between the V6 and the V8, not just in the price, but I was driving on wet pavement, and it was, there was a sound path coming from the left front tire with the noise on the wet pavement going right to my ear. I mean, it was, and then I got, because I was doing the back-to-back things right. in, our, in our car testing, and the V8, much, much more muted down. So there, there, there's some issue there, which again shows me maybe not enough
2: development on it. You know it. what, it, maybe to be fair, this is not so much Hyundai's Lexus, if you will. It was Hyundai's Infiniti. Because if you remember when the two of them launched simultaneously, there was always a sense that Infiniti needed one more year of development. It was a very good car, but it just felt like it was still a work in progress. Yeah, but I think
1: that kind of stuff is more inside baseball. I don't think the consumer necessarily is going Infiniti or Lexus. Well, no,
2: but I'm talking about how we all judge it and what we know to be. Uh, A fair point, but I think that this car feels like a work in progress. I drove the car earlier in the year over in Korea. And there were things that they said at that point were pretty fixed in place. For example, certain suspension parts that were identical to the two cars. And yet a few months later when the production car came out, things that they said they weren't going to change, they did to try to fix some That's of the... That's Hyundai. They change complaints. on the fly. These right. guys yeah. don't sit on their hands, man. Right. They move fast.
0: Yeah. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Natalie, Volkswagen Jetta TDI.
1: I, you know, I actually did not give any points to this car on the list for the finalists. But I'm really pleasantly surprised that it made the cut. It's a fantastic little vehicle and I think it's, um, it's huge props you know, that we're giving to the diesel market and for Volkswagen basically being the longest running, one of the longest running diesel suppliers um, in the country and uh, I think it's a long time coming that they actually get recognition for um, you know, doing what they've done for so long and so well.
2: Yeah. I would love to see this send a message, even if they don't take the the winner's circle. I would love to see this give a message to the American people that diesels are back. I wish it would give a, some sort of message to the oil industry and Congress that uh, maybe they need to be looking at the pricing. You know, when, when we're seeing a dollar and a quarter more here in Detroit for diesel than gasoline, it's essentially meant... Oh, it's more than a quarter. No, a dollar and a quarter. Oh, a dollar and a quarter, yeah. Uh, and it varies place to place around the country. Oddly enough, California, the gap is smaller, Uh, but I think that even as people are just beginning to say, maybe diesel's worth it, then they go to the gas pump and they say, never mind.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm kind of with you. I I had issues, and we'll we'll get into the trucks Mm. in a minute. Same thing, it's like, the Jetta's not a new car. It has a new engine. This is the car of the year award. So to me, to give it to the Jetta, and look, kudos to props, as you say, to VW for meeting the emission standards, being the first out there with a car most people could afford. But it's like giving the award to an engine. And to me, that's not what this award is about.
2: I I hear your point, and I don't disagree. I probably gave it less points than if it were being launched with a new Jetta, but I did give it a few points because it was so significant. I also think the jury may have been influenced by the fact that just a few weeks before this, uh, the Jetta TDI won Car of the Year, uh, the Green Car of the Year from Green Car Journal out uh, at the LA Auto Show. So this car is getting a lot of recognition.
0: Okay, we gotta move a little faster on the trucks now. Dodge Ram. Dodge Uh, Ram is uh, Truck of the Year. Or let me go through the finalists again. Dodge Ram, Ford F-150. Mercedes-Benz ML 320 BlueTEC, which of course is their SUV with a right. diesel in it. But let's start with the Dodge Ram. What's your take? On
1: you know, actually, I think the field for the trucks was um, was a lot smaller than the field for the cars in terms of competition. But we have two big hitters here, and obviously, both of them made the finalists with the Ford F-150 and the Dodge Ram. I drove the Dodge Ram for the first time just a couple weeks ago. Loved it. I could not believe how fantastic the ride, the on-road ride in that Mm -hmm. truck was. I mean, just, it thrilled me. And on top of it all, the styling on that truck, I mean, who knew they could make that truck so handsome? Yeah, Uh, good
0: job on the interior.
1: Absolutely, I mean, all around, I think it's a really, really fantastic um, execution. I have a little bit of, you know, hesitation on necessarily putting it above the Ford, though, but I guess we'll get to that. Okay, yeah.
2: yeah I, I, and let's I, talk about both of them then because well, they are so I head-to-head say, yeah, competitors. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, they are so good, and they, they really do sort of go in two different directions. Dodge Ram putting an emphasis on on-road, and yes, we're capable. Ford saying we're capable, and oh, yes, we're also darn good on-road. So there's a very subtle difference there. And what's very interesting is that they are so close they could wind up splitting the vote and winding up letting number three, the ML320, (laughs) slip in there. Uh, Which, by the way, gets back to your point about an engine as opposed to an all-new vehicle. I don't mean to jump ahead, but that's a curious thing. Here we have two diesels with good prospects, but both of these are older vehicles, if you call a few years, older. But the breakthrough is all about the engine technology. Right. You know, my take on the
0: Dodge Ram and the Ford F-150 is you know, I drove the Ram, you know, in my normal everyday commuting. Mm -hmm. And like you, I loved it. I went, boy, this is really good. But Ford had us out or certainly had me out to their proving grounds where they had the Ram, they had the Silverado, they had the Tundra, Mm -hmm. they had 7,500 pound trailers that we could take up and down hills, full throttle acceleration around bends and everything. They dumped 850 pounds in the bed, had us go through a slalom course and all these things. And then at the end you go, you know, The Dodge rides better out on the road, but if you got to work, this F-150, you can't beat it. The
1: market that we're looking at right now has weeded out all of those buyers who bought trucks just to buy trucks. I mean, the people in the truck market who are, the buyers in the truck market who are left are actual truck users who use their trucks for work every single day and in capability- the Dodge, I mean, loses out to the Ford. Yeah, for sure. it, it's
2: interesting because one of the Chrysler people said recently, in a, an aside, that uh, they were going for that two-thirds of the market that was the personal the use buyer. The urban cowboy. The urban cowboy. Unfortunately, 70% of the urban cowboys are now being pushed out of the light truck market. Well, they were when the gas was size.
0: four bucks a gallon, you know. It's, right. Some of them are creeping back now, but it's some, not going to go back some, to where some it was. Some
2: are. We will see a return to that, but uh, few people expect it. And remember, this, this is just a short reprieve we're getting right now while we none of us have money to afford even $1.39 gas. <laughs> uh, by the way, did you notice something interesting about this list? What's that? Well, okay, so we have two diesels that are on this, one in each category. There's only one hybrid that made even the semifinalist cut. In a year when we've seen $4 ga- gallon gas, the, the uh, Saturn... Oh, yeah, two yeah, mode. the, the, the two-mode hybrid from right. Saturn, right. Yeah, there's the that's the only hybrid. In a year when we've seen a lot of introductions of hybrids, we've heard a lot of talk about going green. The only emphasis that the jurors put on green in this was on the diesel technology, not on hybrid technology. Well, is the the jury sending a message by doing that? That's an interesting question. I think that there is, among auto writers a sense that diesel is not getting its due. It's that been it's, demonized long enough. Yeah, it is a tremendous technology. In fact, you're starting even to hear the people out in California at CARB and other places who have traditionally, as you say, demonized it, starting to say, mm, maybe it's not bad. And then you have the oil industry.
1: Well, you have to admit the pressure that people, that organizations like CARB and you know states like California have put on diesels for so mm-hmm. long and, in effect, in effect demonized the technology, did push the manufacturers to develop what we're now starting to right. see rolling out into the market, these um, after-treatment injection engines with the urea injection, that's, doing, that's going a long way to cleaning up those parts of the diesel exhaust, the particulates, the NOx yeah. emissions, right. that have but been-
0: huge cost. I mean, it adds, let's get real, about $4,000 cost to a diesel engine, which is already oh, more right. expensive. Right. And when you go to uh, the Mercedes-Benz ML320 Bluetech, they're only charging $1,500 right. for that diesel. So obviously Mercedes is eating a lot of that additional cost. Well, it so doesn't far, work out very much Yeah,
1: for but I think so far what we're seeing, since it's just now being introduced into the market, is that all the manufacturers like Mercedes are putting covering the routine maintenance on these vehicles for the first four years. So the actual cost, the additional cost of replenishing um, the after-treatment injection hasn't even been determined yet. It probably won't be for four years when mm-hmm. these cars start coming well, off of there.
2: Tell me, tell me where we're going to get when we start seeing large numbers of, uh, of hybrids out there and uh, we start wondering about their battery replacements and so on. So far you know a lot of the makers have just been quietly replacing those batteries when they uh, when they have problems too. Well let's talk a little bit about the Mercedes actually <laughs> because I thought you know all these arguments about
0: diesels aside this thing got terrific fuel economy. Now I drove it under the most ideal of ideal conditions Steady state, 50 miles an hour, no stop signs or, or, or very few traffic lights. And I was getting 27, 28 miles to the gallon in this thing. Now, normal, I'm sure, is going to drop off from normal driving. It's going to drop off from that. But wow, in a big honk, an SUV right. to, to be pushing 27, 28 miles
2: a gallon, admittedly under ideal conditions, pretty good. Here, here's the thing about that vehicle I didn't drive it under ideal conditions. I beat the Mm. Out of it, and every place I used it, I was impressed with it. Uh, I've spent time driving a lot of the other European diesels. This one is as transparent as anything I've seen in terms of noise, vibration, everything. You forget what you're driving. Uh, you forget it is a diesel. Uh, I love pulling up to people in a stoplight and having people, especially if they see the 320, they think it's a smaller engine if they know what that means, and all of a sudden you blow them by. I mean, it is an impressive car from an acceleration standpoint. It is a true Mercedes engine in terms of what what you expect out of a a powertrain from that brand. And you're right. Uh, The gas mileage is great under every condition. When I have done back-to-back experiences with it, it is better than the hybrids in the class, such as the uh, Lexus RX. And that's a critical difference. Lexus does not deliver Mileage. It's a hybrid in name only. I mean, it's a, it's a green car in name only. This vehicle really delivers.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wrap up this discussion right now, but let me say we're going to keep these cameras rolling. We're going to go to the Internet on this because we've still got some more discussion to get through here. But in any case, Natalie Neff, AutoWeek Magazine, great having you back here on, uh, on AutoLine. Paul Eisenstein, Bureau Chief, the Detroit Bureau, great having you here as well. If you liked today's discussion about the North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards, then there's even more of our discussion online. Just visit our website at www.autolinedetroit.tv. Paul and Natalie have a lot more to say about a number of the other vehicles that came out this year, but which did not make the finalist list. And if you can't get enough of what's new and what's going on in the auto industry, you can always get a daily update from Autoline Daily. We'll give you a five-minute webcast of news from the global auto industry in a fun-to-watch format. Check it out at AutoLineDaily.com. That's it for today's show. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.